This is Consumed, a scrappy little podcast about life and flavor. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a food and wine writer on California's Central Coast. Season two is sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine. Slow Life shares the happenings, stories, and personalities that bring San Luis Obispo County to life. I love writing the food column for the magazine, meeting the people behind my plate, and sharing it with readers. Check your mailbox every other month for inspiring stories about folks you want to get to know, places you want to see, and flavors you want to taste. To learn more about how you can get Slow Life delivered to your door, visit slowlifemagazine.com. When a friend told me about a local home cook and baker in San Luis Obispo's Jewish community, I knew I needed to meet her. Sheila Spector has lived and cooked all over the U.S., both in her own kitchen, in commercial kitchens, culinary shops, in synagogues, and community centers. She neglects to mention this in our conversation, but she once owned a rugula company, and her rugula, which is sometimes called rugulosh, was picked up and sold by Dean and DeLuca in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., In fact, you can try her beloved dessert at the Apples and Honey Festival in San Luis Obispo, hosted by the Jewish Community Center Federation in September each year. Sheila and I talked about baking cakes without yeast or flour during Passover, about her marriage of nearly half a century, and about her blog, dinneratsheilas.com, which she started on a whim. Listen to this episode perhaps while preparing Sheila's famous Vermont potato salad, which she sold and became famous for in Chicago. You can find the recipe on the Consumed website at letsgetconsumed.com. Without further ado, here's Sheila Spector. Hi, Sheila. Hi. Hi. This is the first time we've ever met before. Correct. And the way that I was introduced to you was through our mutual friend, Lauren Bandari, who's um, executive director of the Jewish Community Center slash Federation. Right. So tell me a little bit about... I mean, why does Lauren think you're such a great baker? What kinds of things do you do that she found out about you through? Well, let's say I'll, I'll start with my inspiration for baking and cooking was my mom. Mm. And uh, a lot of the cakes that I've made actually were cakes that she made. Mm-hmm. And um, I make a sponge cake. It's a Passover lemon sponge cake, but mm-hmm. you can make it any time of year when you use flour. At Passover, you don't bake with flour. You don't? No. Why not? Because it goes back to the when the Jewish people were leaving Egypt, uh, they had no time to let their bread rise. So as a result, it's been traditional that during Passover, you don't use flour or any leavening agents, which Ooh. makes baking at Passover quite challenging because go ahead sorry (laughs) uh you use eggs predominantly the egg whites beaten you know to certain consistency to let it rise okay it's kind of challenging I had heard that there was no leavening but I didn't realize that you don't use flour either no okay you don't use flour and um so anyway that cake can be made like I said with flour but my mother uh, at Passover, and I have every Passover I make it. I love it. And yeah. she actually uses, you use things like potato starch. Oh. You can use that. So super light, fluffy. Right, so it's very light. Yeah. And um, also her chocolate cake, which is a very easy, almost one bowl cake. But mm. my kids and my husband have loved it for years. Mm-hmm. And um, I make all kinds of things. There's another chocolate cake that's like a I forget what it's called. Light. Uh, oh well, I did a demo recently, and this was actually Passover, but it doesn't have to be Passover. Yeah. Like a flourless chocolate cake would oh, be. Gosh. Yeah. So this was called lighter than air mm. chocolate cake. It only had three ingredients: eggs, sugar, and chocolate. Oh my gosh! So how, how is it almost like meringue kind of texture? Um, it is actually you make it in layers, and the layers tend to being thin because you're using the egg whites but it doesn't rise a lot and then you layer in between you can do four I I did three for the demo because I was it was a lot to do yeah (laughs) and um and that came out fine you layer with whipped cream Mm -hmm. and then uh let me see what else was it chocolate shavings on top and it was actually delicious but I I do so many things coffee cakes I'm not afraid of recipes, and that's one thing, like my husband always says, like, you can read a recipe and you can kind of tell it's going to be good. 
and I would say that you nine have times that ability. It, I do, nine times out of ten, I think it is. You know, yeah. once in a while, you you fail. <laughs> so how can you tell though? How how can you read a recipe and know that it's going to be either effective or that it's a well written recipe? Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, that's part of it if it's well written. Mm-hmm. Because one time I'm trying to remember what it was I was making and I can't remember, but I kept questioning something about it seemed not right. Hmm. And then I looked further and there was, an, I guess, an updated, it may have been on someone's blog, I can't mm-hmm. really remember now, but there was a mistake in the recipe, yeah. and you know, it was too much something. I can't remember exactly, but it, then they did catch it, and they corrected it. Yeah. You know, so it's more reading a recipe, and um, I mean, I'm willing to do a complex recipe. A lot of the things that I do are more basic and simple, but mm-hmm. I doesn't scare me to do something complicated, but I think it's just looking at the ingredients and, you know, obviously probably things that I like, Mm -hmm. uh, that you can kind of tell. I've gotten better at that. I've gotten better at seeing when there's too much of something or not enough. I'm certainly not an ace, but because of my, I have a, a couple columns in magazines. One of them, I have to get chefs to give me recipes to publish and, that's such an adventure every time because they, the way they write recipes is for hundreds of people, hundreds of servings. So I asked them to scale it down (laughs) and a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. And so I had somebody one time give me a a steak recipe that came with some kind of, some kind of a sauce. I think it was like a balsamic vinegar sauce. And I could tell by looking at it, it was something like 16 cups of balsamic vinegar. (laughs) Yeah. And I could tell something's not quite right with this, but I'm a long way from being able to read it and know what it's going to turn out. But I I always say it does just come with, you know, cooking. And if you like to cook and you do cook and if you fail, it shouldn't make you stop because that's mm-hmm. how you learn. I yeah. mean, you know, over the years I've learned so many things that, you know, I didn't know, but you find out yeah. either by reading or just by doing. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in basically, I was born in St. Louis, but when we were young, we moved to Reading, Pennsylvania, mm. which is southeastern part of, not too far from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And um, lived there till went off to college. Uh, Met, knew my husband since elementary school. Oh my word! <laughs> yep. How many years have you known each other? <laughs> well, we're married um, this August. We'll be married forty nine years. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! <laughs> what an accomplishment, really. Uh, thank you. Well, it is kind of funny because when we moved there, um, and when we moved into our house, my husband's family had been living two doors down. But when we moved, they had just moved before to Richmond, Virginia. His oh. dad was going to do some business there. Ultimately, they came back to Reading and then lived a few blocks away in another street. So, I mean, I actually met him in elementary school, but we started dating in high school. But I always say, if they had never moved away, mm. we'd be outside playing in the street, you know, bat ball, whatever yeah. things we were doing, and we never probably would have gotten married or dated. Because it was too... Because <laughs> he would have just been one of the neighborhood, one of the neighborhood kids. <laughs> like a brother-sister kind right. of thing. Oh, how funny. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting that you had to be apart maybe during adolescence a little bit to come back and fall in love? Yeah. I, yeah. So what about college? Did you go to the same... College? Well, not at first. I went. He was a year ahead of me, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up going to Jacksonville University in Florida. I went to Syracuse University, okay. uh, and after a year and a half, begged my mother if I could transfer to Jacksonville University. Just because of him, or were you <laughs> yes. unhappy at Syracuse? <laughs> Mostly because of him. Okay. And I think I wasn't really that happy because we were you know, separated. I just remember lots of phone calls, you know. Uh, And um, so that's what happened. So I transferred down there, and uh, then that's where we both graduated from. What did you study? I actually studied elementary education. Mm -hmm. I have a degree in that. And I've always loved to cook. Uh, But I wish now that I knew then, and maybe I would have gone to culinary school. Mm, Although I've never had any professional training, but I just love it so you know I learned self-taught I guess but you know I didn't 
after I was doing my student teaching, and that was the first, um, after we got married in August, that fall, I was doing my student teaching, I was like, mm, I don't know that I really want to do this. <laughs> kind of a common, <laughs> honestly, unusual, kind of a common right? experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I really, every chance I had, I did find things to do with food through the years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have done, I, in, at different times, substitute teaching and even long-term jobs. I still like being with the kids. It mm-hmm. just didn't fulfill me as much as my passion for cooking. Mm. So um, even now, I, I tutor once a week uh, at Hawthorne yeah. Elementary School, second graders in reading, just individual, yeah. and I love it. I've done it since we moved here. Do you know Kristen Eldridge, third grade teacher? No, I don't know a lot of the names of all the teachers. Well, no, I understand if you're once a week, she's just a good friend and she teaches over there. Yeah, but it's a really lovely school. Yeah, it is. so sweet. Second graders are just wonderful. Before they become cynical. (laughs) Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah. Right. Um, So so you you went to college, you you did some, um, you got your degree in early education, you tried out student teaching, and then what happened after that? Well, let's see. My husband went uh, from Jacksonville. He went for a master's at Florida State, mm-hmm. so we moved to Tallahassee. It was a year program. Um, I couldn't really or didn't want to find a teaching job. I ended up actually waitressing at the Red mm-hmm. Lobster. <laughs> this is getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved to Chicago and where he got, you know, his job after his master's. And so then we started to raise a family. Mm-hmm. And when my kids were really young and I did some other retail, you know, things there, but wasn't teaching. And uh, then when my kids were really my second son was young, I started working part time at a cookware specialty shop, um, which I loved. Yeah. And you I know, love gear. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, yeah. and you know, the other thing is when you're working in a store like that, all the other women and men too are interested in cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and the customers are interested in cooking. So mm-hmm. um, I did that for a while. And then I also taught it, uh, not taught, uh, but I did do some demos there. Um, they used to have a catalog, Chef's Catalog, mm-hmm. for years in Chicago also. And then we had moved, uh, we lived in the city, kind of in Rogers Park first in Chicago. Okay. And we moved out to the suburbs, Buffalo Grove. And in Northbrook, uh, Highland Park, was the actual store for Chef's Catalog, the mm. only one they had, but they had big catalog business. Is that the name of it, Chef's mm-hmm. Catalog? Yeah, okay. Chef's Catalog. And I think they still make the catalog. I know, I was going to ask. The store is no longer there. there, but I worked there full time. My kids were a little bit older and worked out the schedule. And um, I loved it, you know, yeah. and I did do some demos there. And the manager at the time had asked me if I wanted to, one of the things I make that is one of my favorite things, and Everybody else is who's tried it is my potato salad. So Evanston is where Northwestern University is. And she had gotten to know the owner of a deli there. And she was going to make some things for him to sell. And she said, do you want to sell your potato salad? So I said, I'll try, you know, and yeah. they loved it. And then I found myself at midnight, like making more and more potato salad. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It sounds like Ina Garten almost, <laughs> where she had like, she had these separate, mostly yes. salads and things like that. And she started to sell them to people and then started the... The Barefoot Contessa was yeah. her shop, I know. And then she had a job um, in D.C. Oh, for she the did. government. Oh, so she had a day job, and, so common. I mean, her story, I know kind of well. I really like her. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of her recipes on my yeah. blog. But um, I think she said her husband, she saw the ad in the paper that they were selling the Barefoot, or maybe yes. she named it that, but they were selling it. And on a lark, she said to her husband, you know, I want to buy it. She never thought, actually, they would accept her offer, but they did. And the next thing she knew, she was owning oh the Barefoot Contessa. Isn't that crazy how... <laughs> Little decisions can make such a big impact. And I mean, she's impacted a lot of us. And it was all because she took that risk and had kind of a lark. 
my gosh, the Lark yes. decisions are the best ones. Yeah. And I do like her because things are fairly simple. Yeah. She presents everything beautifully mm-hmm. and nothing is real difficult. It's Fussy. just having an eye for it, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So this potato salad, what's so special oh, about okay. it? Okay. So the potato salad, I can't remember. For the longest time, I thought I found it in a magazine because when we were first married, I would be reading through magazines for recipes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have as many cookbooks as I had in later years. And um, I found this one, but then I saw later, since I've been here, I was looking through some old cookbooks, and I forget which one, but it was in one of these that I think is like regional, that people do for different organizations. Like a fundraiser kind of thing. thinking, but I'm not sure. Well, here's the key to it. You use preferably new potatoes. The actual recipe was for six potatoes. It Mm -hmm. didn't even say. And I think they were maybe russets, which I would not use for potato salad. So I've always used new potatoes. But you marinate them after you boil them and make sure the way to test a potato that it's not underdone or overdone Mm -hmm. is to take a very sharp paring knife and just go from the top down. If it goes in very smoothly and comes out smoothly, potatoes are done. And then afterwards, um, you know, in many recipes, you drain the water, but you put them on the heat for a while to dry them before you go further. So with the new potatoes, you don't have to peel them, but you can. For many years, I peeled them, and and then I stopped peeling them, you know, as long as they're washed and nice. Mm. But after you cut them, and I like to use larger chunks, so you might cut them in halves or quarters, Mm -hmm. you pour it a couple tablespoons of white wine vinegar over them while they're warm. Because it absorbs? Is that why? Okay. While they're warm, they will absorb the flavor. And I use always kosher salt, which is a coarse salt, and it tastes good. I know it's the best salt. Kosher salt and pepper over that wine vinegar. Let it sit a little bit while you chop up your other vegetables. And in this one, it's very green because it's uh, diced green pepper, um... Lots of herbs, mm-hmm. dill, parsley, I'm missing some, oh, green onions, scallions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's all. Then you make a dressing out of mayonnaise thinned with a, I thin it with a little lemon juice. The yeah. recipe had said cream or lemon juice, mm-hmm. but the idea of lemon juice with that is, is really good. Yes. And that's basically it. Yeah. But everywhere I've ever served it, people love it, they want the recipe. Yeah. And it's simple, really. But that is the key, I think, for the flavor, you know, that you I do love, it while it's warm. Right. Well, and that's interesting, the white wine, just that that makes such a big difference. It's just a couple tablespoons. Mm-hmm. I love, I love potato salad, but I do like it, I like it um, a little less, I, I like more potato than cream. Uh-huh. Or yes, like creamy Yes, and that's binding. the other thing. I, you can control how much dressing you're putting in there. Yeah, you know. lovely. Yeah. Okay, so you've got this f- famous potato salad <laughs> recipe, and people are asking for it. Well, they're selling a lot of it. Yeah. And then at some point, it just um, stopped. I don't even remember if what happened, but we weren't doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And we did do some demos in the store for people. Um, and then I did a little bit of catering with a friend of mine. We mm-hmm. called it Dream Street Catering. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that much, but, you know, we did do some things. Um, but I just always love to cook, and I love to feed people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you do a lot of traveling? I mean, did you go places where you could try different kinds of cuisine? Mm, not so much, really. Yeah. Um, no, it was more my reading. An and you know, I mean, I have, you know... We didn't travel so much out of the country. Yeah. We did go to Italy, um, oh, like in 2001 or two. Mm-hmm. And um, that, of course, I, I loved. Yeah, and uh, just recently, last September, we did go to Paris. Oh, which that was a dream of mine. So, yeah. did you eat well there? We, oh, yeah. It was so nice. And then when I left, I kept saying, I don't think I ate enough. I should have eaten oh. more. <laughs> Well, it's like you're trying to balance everything, especially, I don't know, as in the past 10 years, I feel like my appetite's gotten smaller. I I think that's just happened. It's true. So it's hard when you want to try everything, but you're like, you know, full. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What was one of the favorite things you had there? Oh, oh, actually the French onion soup. Mm. Uh, We loved this one. We were staying at a really cute little boutique hotel in the... um, what was the sixth arrondissement? Yeah. Um, I'm now forgetting uh, the name of the area, but 
uh, Cafe de Four, oh. Floor, which was pretty well known, was a few blocks down. So we did eat there a few times. And one time I'm like, I've got to have the onion soup, you yeah. know, before we leave. And it was really delicious. But so many things, the croissants, the yeah. bread, um, you know, the um, sandwiches on the baguettes. It was so interesting. With butter. Butter and ham. And, and, and all the cases just filled with all these ready to go. And walking down the street, you would see numerous people just walking, eating their baguette, you know, mm-hmm. partially wrapped. Yeah. It was just amazing. It's charming. You know? Yeah. We had a lot of good meals, but they were, everything was good, yeah. I have to say. We, uh, we went to Paris with my brother, actually, when my brother was living in Germany. Um, we met up with him and my sister-in-law, uh, and we drove through Luxembourg and got to Paris. And, uh, my husband and I were really struck by, we did a lot of bistro hopping. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sitting outside in I those, bet. in that specific kind of chair, like that woven black yes. and white chair, <laughs> I've never wished I could take up smoking again so much as when we were in Paris because it was just like, it was part of the the charm of it. But yeah, we had a lot of, you know, half liters of red wine. Yes. And, um, oh, we had such a good time. And we did that as well. We were in so many of the cafes and we just loved the idea. Like you're just sitting there like watching everybody go by. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So after Chicago, where did you go? Uh, let's see. After Chicago, we went, we were in Chicago for 15 years and then we mm. moved to Maryland. Um, do you consider Chicago where you raised your boys? Actually, no, because, okay. uh, they were much younger. Well, let's see when, uh, we moved, my older son was in, well, he was just in eighth grade. Okay. And, um, my younger one was in fourth. They're almost four years apart. So it was when they were young, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where they were born and, you know, all those wonderful years. But still, we lived 25 years in Maryland. Mm. So wow. now they were not there for the full 25. They went off to college. Then they moved to California, which is yeah. what brought us to California. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. But 25 years. 25 that- years. So that to us feels like home. home. But it's funny. Sometimes I talk even now. And I'll be saying something, and my husband will say, well, that was in Chicago, you know? It's yeah. like, so they're both kind of home. We're very fond of it. I have a brother who still lives there. Mm. And, um, yeah, but I think for my children, they view Maryland as their home. Yeah. And they both went to University of Maryland. Mm. And, uh, yeah, good memories. It was sad when we left, even yeah. though we couldn't wait to come. Even though I have family, I knew they'd all be out visiting. A brother in New York, sister in Pennsylvania, a brother in Chicago. Wait, you're one of four? Yes. Oh, two wow. Two boys and two girls. And where are you in the lineup? I'm in the middle. I, well, I'm my sister's oldest, then me, then six years younger, my one brother, and 12 years younger, my baby brother. Did any of them get into food at all? Well, they all love food. Yeah. We come from a family that loves food. I yeah. mean... Sounds like your mom my was My mom was a great cook, very influential in our family, and died much too young, oh. a few days after she turned 60. Oh, too young. So, and I'll try to hold back the tears. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can <laughs> so imagine. you asked me about food. Yes, they all love food. And my young, my youngest brother in Chicago is constantly sending me articles on, oh, on food mm-hmm. and talk, showing me pictures of what he just ate. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other brother and sister-in-law, they live in Brooklyn Heights and oh. there's everything in Brooklyn to eat. Especially recently. So they're all in, into food. In fact, he just sent me uh, an email. Would I be interested in recipe testing, which is something I've never done. Oh. A neighbor of his is doing it for either a company or a website and she was sending out feelers if anyone you know so I actually said yeah Yeah, I am and she said you don't get paid and I didn't care you know she said she was in a rut apparently and she thought this would be a great thing and I know she's a good cook um he, he, they've eaten there many times and they tell me she follows my blog but uh then then it found out that they don't need anybody right now. So. But that could be, I mean, even the fact that you've opened that door in your mind that you'd be willing to do that, yeah. I think that opportunities will most likely yeah. come to you. Exactly. So I, I look forward to it if I can, because I've never done anything like that. Yeah. 
I want to take a minute to share about one of my supporters on the Consumed podcast. If you're listening, you're probably a fan of good food and good people, right? Well, coming soon, the San Luis Obispo Public Market at Long Bonetti Ranch will bring fresh flavor, fresh faces, and fresh inspiration to the Central Coast. Let me tell you, this is going to be a very big deal. Long Bonetti Ranch was established in 1880 and is named after George W. Long and Florino Bonetti. The ranch housed horses and dairy cows and produced grain, veggies, and flowers. The Slow Public Market will honor the Long and Bonetti family legacies with local purveyors of different foods and ingredients, ranging from a brewery and a cheese shop to tacos, coffee, ice cream, juices, spirits, and my personal obsession, bao buns. There's lots more to come, and it's all coming very soon. To learn more about the Slow Public Market or for information on becoming a merchant there, visit slowpublicmarket.com. San Luis Obispo, why did you wind up here? Well, that's kind of a funny story, too. We knew when my husband retired we weren't going to be staying on the East Coast because, I mean, thankfully my kids always came home for Thanksgiving every year. My older one had gone right after college, and... um, my younger one had gotten a master's, and then he taught for several years. Um, but he went ultimately to California, too, mm-hmm. because he and his brother are really good friends. And where mm-hmm. else? And he was tired of Maryland. So, you know, where else is he going to go? The Golden State. <laughs> and yeah. once they're there, they're not coming back. No. <laughs> my, my older son used to say when he first got there, Mom. Every morning you wake up, it's sunny in 70s. <laughs> well, some people hate that, but I think most people don't mind so yeah. much. So, you know, it was, we knew we'd move out. And it was a little bittersweet because our family's closer there, but yeah. uh, it's worked out that we get back and they come and visit. And we wanted to be near our, our kids because they were going to stay there pretty much. And you said that one is in San Francisco, one is in yes. LA. You have the best position. So we did not know about San Luis Obispo. And then one time because all the times we went we either flew into San Francisco or flew into LA and we never really did the drive up the coast so one time we decided to drive up and make lots of stops along the way and I had a little tour book and one of the places they suggested stopping was San Luis Obispo Mm. at at the Petit Soleil, the bed and breakfast. Oh, so cute. So, so cute. by the time we got there, because we stopped first to see the butterflies, the monarch butterflies, oh, yeah. which weren't there at the time that we were there. I think it was in February. and They're supposed to be there in February. We got there at dusk, and maybe it was just the wrong time, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, or maybe they were just being ill-behaved. Yeah. Right. So we um, went on to the, you know, we were kind of tired. It was already dark by then. We went there. We... Um, maybe got something from the little bakery mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, went to sleep. The next morning we had a lovely breakfast, the owner's lovely, but we had to get to Hearst Castle for a, um, a tour. tour yeah. We had already scheduled at the tour. So we never really walked around and saw the town. Then we're in San Francisco. We go back home and that week... Oprah had the gentleman who wrote the book about the happiest people. Yes, yeah. live in San Francisco, in uh, San Luis Obispo, and I'm like, we were just there, and they show this video, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So the next time we came out, we flew into L.A. and we came and we spent several days here. Yeah. And that sealed the deal when we started walking around downtown and we stayed at Madonna Inn and it was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I have to say, if you were, if your first time here was just Petit Soleil and Hearst Castle, that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good advertisement for this area. I mean, you could do worse for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But really we could, we were so impressed like with the downtown that it was Mm -hmm. like so walkable and, and that was six years ago or more. I mean, we moved here six years ago, so that was maybe seven and it certainly changed even since then, but you know, just so so nice. We had breakfast that morning. Um, when we left the hotel, we said, where should we go eat? Cause, and they said, um, oh, because I think it was raining when, mm. well, that's when we came back the second time to yeah. see the town, and it was actually raining. And that was another reason we didn't see yeah, a lot. Yeah, you can't get as But much. that morning, it was sunny, beautiful, and she suggested we go to um, 
the diner place I'm forgetting on Higuera. Uh, diner on Higuera. They Hold close on. at three. It's a diner style. Um, but there's uh, always big lines outside. I can't. Louisa's think. place. Is that's, that it? Uh, that's it. That's it. Little. little yes. Next spoon. to the wee olive. Yes, that's right? the one. That's yeah. it. She said there, and then she goes, "Oh, maybe you should go to Big Sky." So we ended up going to Big Sky, <gasps> Big and we Sky. like. We loved our waiter. We loved the food. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went out and started walking around and we're like, oh my gosh. This Such is a cool like, place. Yeah. Such a cool place. And yeah, changing a lot and still so cool. Yeah. 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 Well, so since you've been here, you've become active with Congregation Beth David, you said. Yes, we are members of of Congregation Beth David. And you've been doing demos there and helping out there? Yeah, I actually they, and I know a number of other churches and other organizations, um, participate in um, doing homeless dinners. Uh, when Before the Prado Day Center was yeah. completed, the dinners uh, we did from the synagogue were um, uh, at Maxine Lewis Shelter. Yes, I've done that. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah. What I, I mean, and if I could encourage anyone to do it, I, I would just say it's an amazing experience. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, the way they do it is you sign up and they really prefer to have most things homemade. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can do an entree, you can do a salad. They have huge dinners. I mean, they have, uh, you know, there's always a fruit salad, a green salad, two vegetables, um, an entree, dessert. So through the years, and I think they did it every other month. I'm mm-hmm. not, I think that's what it was. And it was always on a Sunday, and you had to bring your food over by 5 o'clock. Yeah. And, uh, and then you could also serve. And I, we didn't serve right away, but um, we did start serving when we were in the Prado Day Center, which I also found so rewarding. So can you, you know, I, I haven't looked into this. <clears throat> My book club will often do, we try to do it quarterly, um, serve at Maxine Lewis. But I guess we haven't since everything moved over to right, Prado so Day. So now Prado Day Center, you might inquire there because um, I know that during the summer, I know CBD has taken a break a little bit mm-hmm. and they'll start up again in September. But I've done just about everything. You know, they always mm-hmm. suggest either chicken patties or some form of chicken, you yeah. know. And sometimes people just get fried chicken and they love to have that. Who wouldn't? But everything I make, I want to make from scratch because yeah. I feel like, they deserve it for sure. If Absolutely. anyone deserves it, right? Yeah. So one time, this is kind of funny. I said, uh, "Well, I'm going to make chicken. Let's." And chicken teriyaki is one of also my family's favorite mm-hmm. recipes, and it's uh, maybe not like it sounds. You just marinate chicken in a uh, marinade of lemon juice, soy sauce, a little water, mm-hmm. ginger powder, and garlic salt. Or oh, you so could use fresh garlic. So not like that syrupy no, teriyaki no. that we all it, know. And you marinate it preferably overnight mm-hmm. because you'll really... And then you grill it. I mean, yeah. you can broil it if you don't have a grill, but we usually grill it. And it was really simple, but so delicious. Yeah. So I said to my husband, and I was going to be making for 80 or more, I think. Holy cow. <laughs> because they do ask you. They, they were serving about 120 people. Yeah. And so when they, when they have the sign up, you can sign up to do for 40. You know, and some people will right. do maybe for 80 or they'll do for 120. But so you can portion out. Yeah. 80, and this way they get people. more people to do it because, you know, even doing anything for 40 is a lot. It is. Yeah. Especially if you're making it yourself. And <sighs> so I said to my husband, like, how about grilling? 80 people. He did it. Oh, and he was on the grill. <laughs> he has. He's oh, the grill master. Bless I don't him. grill That's that awesome. much. He does. <laughs> and because um, he doesn't cook too much either. Yeah. And. Uh, it was funny because I was just, as he was done, we couldn't get it all on. You know, he, I would keep it warm in the oven, mm-hmm. but they loved it. Oh, I bet they did. And when it came to like dessert, you know, you can bring cookies or whatever. Yeah. I always make giant cookies. Yeah. So one mm. time the woman that was heading it up, you know, texted me and said, they, and I took half peanut butter and half chocolate chip. And she said, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. they love those cookies, especially the peanut butter. You yeah, know? yeah. I love that. That is so, when my book club does it, um, we usually bring a whole bunch of different pastas and different salads. And yes. then um, our resident bakers, um, Kendra and God, Nicole, my, my friend Nicole has nailed 
chocolate chip cookies. Mm. She sprinkles sea salt on at the end and they're really big. Um, And, you know, I don't like flat cookies. I like them when they have some substance and hers definitely aren't. In fact, for her wedding, instead of cake, they gave out, um, they had different friends make their favorite cookie recipes and put them in these tall apothecary jars with little producers' milk with straws. It was the cutest thing. But yeah, I love how appreciative people are. They really appreciate bringing and and home-cooked food means a lot to them. It does. And they don't get it very often, I don't think, you know. And it's nice to cook and have an appreciative audience, too. Yes, yes. Cooking for kids, sometimes they're like, feed me. And you feed them something beautiful, and they're like, bye. Exactly. (laughs) So, wow, grilling grilling for 80. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, I don't know if I ever did for 120. That's a lot. One time I did mashed potatoes, and then I realized how hard that is from scratch, all those potatoes to and peel. Peeling. I had to do them in batches, you know. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, the annual Christmas homeless dinner, and a lot of different people participate. But again, I'm doing it. I found out about it through the synagogue. So it is amazing. They mm. serve over 300 not only that, they have backpacks for them, underwear, oh. blankets. This time when we were delivering food, I even saw they have little packets of dog food oh, for them to take. Wonderful. It's amazing. They have entertainment. One thing I definitely want to cover is you have a blog. I do. Tell me the name of it again. Dinner at Sheila's. That's right. And I've looked, I've looked over it and it's so, well, you've been doing it a long time. Uh, well, believe it or not, I had to look up the exact date. July 28th, I think was my first post and nine, it, it's going to be my ninth anniversary. Oh my so for gosh. nine years. Yeah. And that's another thing I never, you know, going back to when I started, um, my older son was in, LA. He had come home to visit and, you know, he was already very much involved in social media and everything. And he said, you know, mom, you really should write a food blog. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? I don't even think I had ever looked at one. I said, what do you mean? You know, why? And he goes, you just take pictures of something you like and you write whatever you want and you know you can do it whenever you want there's yeah. no rules I'm like no what would I have to say oh famous mom. last words yeah really <laughs> nine years later so I said no I don't think so and then I don't know some time went by and one night I made like I don't know I think it was cod the mm. baked you know uh, spinach salad with some oranges and maybe mashed potatoes I don't know I thought the plate looked so pretty I snapped a picture yeah. with my I guess at that time, I don't know if it was a phone. I think it was a digital camera that we had just gotten. And then I'm like, oh, so here's my first post. Um, Dinner tonight with a picture, cod, mashed potatoes, spinach salad. (laughs) That was it. That was the whole post. (laughs) Here's my dinner. And that was the start, though. And then I just continued, and then I just started writing, you know, so I have, I looked, 460 posts on there. Oh, my word. So the... If one were looking for um, something, the easiest way would probably be to go to archives, and mm-hmm. then they're all listed by years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Tumblr as my server, but yeah. I'm trying to talk my son into helping me change to something a little more sophisticated than that. Yeah, because uh, it is kind of hard to maneuver around sometimes on there to. Find the recipe or if you want to print it out. It's beautiful, though. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, I can understand if you were frustrated with uh, navigating it. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, on many of them, you can just click to print and you get just the recipe. On mine, it doesn't have that ability, so you'd have to print out the pictures and everything. No, I love (laughs) clicking to print. Even now, I I go to, you know, if I'm making something and it's on there, I I just put up my um, iPad and put the recipe on. (laughs) I have to follow my own recipes. But I do love it. And, you know, I thought when I said, like, what would I write about? I've never thought ahead what I'm going to write. I decide what I'm going to do. And my husband says he's never had a hot meal since we started. Could you stop taking photos and stop writing about it? So right, because I'll eat. take a bunch of them before I get the right one. But anyway, I just sit down, and um, so I have my pictures, and I learned early on. My son taught me how to do it, so mm-hmm. I only call him when I have a crisis, you know. 
it's a food blog crisis. <laughs> yes. Right. And I can, you know, download the pictures and do it all now. But I just literally start writing at the computer. Mm-hmm. I don't give it any thought ahead. And so, you know, it's become more or less, I, I really don't do it for the traffic, although I love to see, you yes. know, more readers. And I asked him to check for me because I have no idea really what I have. And he said that I average regularly about 10,000 readers. Wait a minute. Which kind of scared me. I was like, really? But I don't even know, you know. Is that per month? Uh, I think, uh, oh, I don't, maybe. But you have 10,000 regular readers. Yes. Yeah. Sheila. Well, he's, it fluctuates, but he said about 10,000. So that was a little surprising to me, uh, but <laughs> that's not. But I don't small... advertise, and I really yeah. do it, you know, for myself. And I really do love that I do get comments from people. I do get emails from people. Yeah. I do get questions, and I do know a lot of people are looking at it and making some of the recipes, and that's my satisfaction. Yeah. But I also have it because there are like stories throughout. Not everyone has a story, yeah. but where it came from, and it may go back to some family, you know. So it's like a hand-me-down to my kids. It is. And both my boys do like to cook. They yeah. did get that from me, especially my younger one, Zach, up in um, San Francisco. Yeah. He's sending me pictures of things like, ooh, I've never made that. <laughs> you can't live in San Francisco without no, caring about food. he and his food. wife are real big foodies, really. Yeah. And they, you know, I just love that they love to cook. And even Josh, although he's so busy too, you know, every certain dishes he'll make, uh, a certain pasta dish, or he loves my chicken piccata, which is on the blog. So every time they tell me they, you know, or I have to laugh when, um, Zach, uh, and when we were still in Maryland and before he was involved with his wife, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he would be driving home from work and he would regularly call me and say, so what should I make for dinner tonight? You to know, impress his girlfriend? Is that what it was? No, just oh, even just for himself. He's a single guy. And maybe once uh, Lisa was there also for her too, but even when he was, before he met Lisa, you know, what should I make tonight? Because he, he just likes doing it. I love it. You're a resource. And then what happened was once, yeah, that's right, before Lisa, because once Lisa was involved, <laughs> it's like, I didn't get so many calls anymore. Oh. <laughs> because I guess they were both deciding what to make. Finding their own yeah. way. But they still ask me certain things and, yeah. yeah. Is it cooking with Sheila? No, it's dinner, dinner at, at Sheila's.com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. What did you, what's the most recent thing you put up? Oh, gosh. I had um, a couple of friends for lunch a week ago and uh the main dish was tuna nuisance mm, so i put that up but then uh the next two blogs after that was the rest of the meal i started with zucchini soup which mm-hmm. is a delicious easy recipe i got years ago and when i was in chicago i did work for a caterer um actually uh, a friend of mine her parents owned a a uh, little catering company and shop where kind of like the Barefoot Contessa where yeah. you could go in and buy. And I cooked f- with them for quite some time. Fun. And that was a recipe from them. And it's a great summer soup. Yeah. You're using all the zucchini, onions, mm. celery, fresh herbs, yeah. and, you know, a chicken or vegetable stock you could use. It sounds so A little light, bit of milk. Fresh. And you can eat it cold, warm, or mm-hmm. hot. Mm-hmm. So that was one that I also put up. And then the peach pie for dessert. Man. And that was kind of a challenging... Uh, I wanted to make peach pie, but peaches are so juicy. Yes. And you want ripe peaches for the flavor. Yeah. So you usually end up with a lot of liquid. Yeah. When you go to cut the pie, it may look beautiful. And then it's that moment, you know, and the I've peaches. never made a pie that's sliced where you could see inside. It's always... I kind of and serve it with a spoon. And sometimes it's easier with apples because yeah. they're not as juicy and they'll absorb... But um, peaches are known for, you know, and may not affect the taste as much, but mm. I ended up having at home a Cook's Illustrated. Yeah. And, you know, they're scientists. They nail it, yeah. So I didn't even read the whole thing at the time, and I started paging through it, and here was a fresh peach pie recipe, mm. two or three pages long. And as I read through it, I'm like, no way. Because, you know, but they were solving the problem of too much juice and the peaches not falling out, but staying, but also bright. Mm. So after I read it three times, I thought, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And I did. And it took me a while, 
but it came out fantastic. Oh. And even until, and oh, and the lattice crust, which they did a little shortcut to doing it, which made it much easier. Yeah. And so it was kind of a trick on the eyes, like it wasn't a completely lattice, but it looks like it. Yeah, best way to be. <laughs> and so when, you know, the moment of truth was when I cut it, and we all agreed it was a winner. And yeah. I might make it again, but for anyone that would be intimidated and just starting out, I would say no. Start with a cobbler. That's, Some, we go exactly. to cobbler because you can just, no right. big deal. And it's you don't mess rustic. it up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a failure that you, like it was just a oh. destroyed? Oh, recently, actually. I mean, I don't know. I, I call it a failure. Um, I was, let's see, my kids were here from San Francisco for 4th of July weekend, mm -hmm. and I kept wanting to make, because I had peaches on my mind, so I wanted to make peach uh, shortcake. Yeah. And I've oh, made shortcakes yum. before. I even have a strawberry one on the blog from years ago, which was really good. But I'm always looking at different recipes. Mm -hmm. So this one was from a cookbook, and it was a really nice cookbook, and the picture looked great. And I made the recipe exact. But here's the thing where I should have listened to my instincts. When yeah. I read only two teaspoons of sugar in the, mm. um, uh, the cakey part. The, the biscuit? The biscuit. Yeah. Kind of a biscuit. Um, the shortbread. Well, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound sweet enough to me. But mm -hmm. then I figured, well, we had peaches, you know, sitting there ripening. And I thought they were really ripe enough. Mm -hmm. So when I made it, the the uh, biscuits came out perfectly. They looked great. Mm -hmm. um, I even put a little turbinata sugar. You know what that yeah. is, and like so sparkly. that made it look. They looked great, but we hadn't eaten them yet. And then when it came time, it said to only macerate uh, in sugar the sliced peaches for like thirty minutes. Mm. My instinct said that may not be enough. Yeah, and I thought they were ripe enough, but when I did slice them. They didn't seem as juicy as I would have thought, yeah. but they tasted good. So when I made it, and it looked beautiful, and it was a vanilla bean added to the whipped cream. Delicious. So uh, they looked great. My pictures were great, and I was so disappointed. I mean, everybody ate it, but I think everybody agreed with me that it, the peaches were not ripe enough. Sheila, I'm so sorry, but that does not sound like a fail. <laughs> well, you know what I did, though? This is me, because to me it was. It just, mm. I ate it too, but I was so, like, uh, I shouldn't have, or maybe I used the wrong peaches, because mm. my husband had bought some, and I thought I was using those, which we thought were riper. I'm not sure what happened, but they really weren't ready, yeah. I guess. I mean, and they were okay to eat out of hand, but yeah. they just didn't have the juice, is yeah. what it was, to go down over that, that biscuit, which would have made it sweeter. Stone so fruit. It's I so had, persnickety. It made eight, and I used four, and I was going to throw the other four out. And like, no, I'm going to macerate strawberries in a few days, really a lot, and try them on the biscuits. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> so I did, and actually they, it was good because yeah. I added a little extra sugar, but that's how I, that was a failure. I ask everybody what they would eat on their final day. What, what would you consider eating? Well, uh, what comes to mind for me involves my mom. It's what I would make as much as who I would make it for. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to hold back the tears. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned she died of pancreatic cancer a uh, few days after she was 60. So she was a tremendous cook, a tremendous influence in my life, my brothers and sisters, my dad, you know, he couldn't do without her. And, uh, but she was a great cook and a great baker. And my one regret, because when she, you know, I was 30 when she passed away, because I really started my cooking early, uh, later, you know, I mean, even though my sister and I would help her out, we never really were too interested in the cooking and I would have certain things I'd like to make like Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And, um, there was a mix called Appian Way pizza. <laughs> And my brothers reminded me, I used to always make that and put black olives on, you know, yeah. but I didn't really, yeah, you know. I didn't, but I, so I kind of liked to mess around in the kitchen, but I didn't really start cooking till I was married and moved away. And then suddenly I had to make dinner, you know, and I used to call her and she used to give me over the phone, I'd jot down how to make something. But, you know, so through the years, even when uh, we were always living away from where they were, we'd come home to visit and 
she'd come out, we'd want her to cook, you know. So I, I realized that because she passed away so young, I never got to cook for her Mm. and Mm -hmm. cook for her some of the things that she made that we loved that I made, you know, the way she made. So it would be probably like a Friday night dinner, which is like this welcoming the Sabbath, you know, that we always did have um, chicken soup. You know, we usually didn't have matzo balls except at Passover, but Mm -hmm. her recipe, maybe I do chicken soup and matzo balls chopped liver Mm. made with chicken liver sauteed with lots of hard-boiled eggs and lots of sauteed Mm. onions um roast chicken the way her mom made it the way she made it and the way I first way I ever made chicken was taking you know onion celery carrots and placing them on the bottom of a roasting pan with a little water or chicken stock Mm -hmm. and then seasoning very well the chicken parts Mm -hmm. uh salt pepper maybe garlic salt and roasting it for a really long time mm-hmm. till it's almost falling off the bone. And basting or not basting? And yeah, you can baste it yeah. as well. And um, uh, the carrots and celery becomes almost a gravy yeah. too. Soft. And her mashed potatoes probably, which she taught us to make. My sister makes them like that too. It's great when you're making a big meal and that's always a last minute thing. Mm. She would make them ahead put them in a casserole dish. She would, when she made them, she always added an egg or two that she beat into it. So it made it a little more fluffy. And at that point, you could, um, you could mash them completely, put them in there, put them in the fridge. And when you're ready, uh, bring it out, put it in a 350 degree oven Mm -hmm. for 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. even to an hour. And it rises a little bit, and oh. it's the fluffiest, most delicious mashed potatoes. What a good tip. I would never have guessed. And it's so easy. I do it every Thanksgiving now yeah. because it's already done. You could even do it the night before and put it in the refrigerator. Yeah. And when you bake it, it's, you know, fresh. So pretty much that's it. And maybe one of her, maybe her chocolate cake mm-hmm. with my kids called Bubby's chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. Bubby, Hebrew for uh, grandma. grandma. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So that's what I would do. Well, Sheila, I know that you are so busy putting together this blog and serving in the community, and I just really appreciate you taking time to share. Thank you. You sound like an awesome cook, and I think the next time you have four biscuits that you're considering tossing out, you could just call me and I will eat those biscuits (laughs) personally. Will do. Okay. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Consumed. To get the latest in what's going on with the podcast, sign up for the Consumed newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at Jamie C. Lewis. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Jamie Lewis.